What would you say are the five main points of great leadership? Listen to understand. Recognizing failure for what it is, um, a tool for growth, not being afraid of difficult situations and, conf and conflict situation, to be servant leader, to really care about the people. Like just, you have to love people, not, not, not just the people you work with, but I, I think you just need to be a person who, who, who has love for people to be able to be a good leader. Welcome to the Design Rush podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Mayer. Today, we're excited to welcome Mija Medlivsky, also known as the Fail Coach. Mija's journey from entrepreneurial success to bankruptcy and back again has been both inspiring and educational. His unique approach to embracing failure and using it as a stepping stone for success has helped many entrepreneurs worldwide. In this episode, we'll dive into Mija's early challenges, his strategies for personal development and leadership, and his insights on business growth. Now, don't forget to like and subscribe for more engaging conversations with key industry leaders. Let's get into it. Mija, so welcome back or welcome to the Design Rush podcast. I think we're we're very excited to have you here with us today. And, you know, I think one of the things that we're looking most forward to discussing with you is, you know, just the intricacies of personal development um, and business growth. Um, so before we get into the meat of the conversation, could you start by introducing yourself and just telling us a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, sure. Uh, hi, Vienka, and hi, everybody else. It's uh, a pleasure to be here, to be invited by you uh, on this podcast. Um, so I grew up in Slovenia. Um, I had a very amazing childhood and a very spoiled upbringing uh, that really lacked any uh, experiences for growth. Uh, and so later on, when I would uh, join my father's company, um, unfortunately, my father died very early on and I had to take on uh, the business and I had no clue what I'm doing. And I really just woke up into the real world at 23. Um, and so ups and downs and ups and downs and, and so on later, uh, I had this really big crash in 2009, um, lost everything, ended up in huge debt, uh, depression, anxiety, suicide attempts, and a few other things later. Um, I finally had the aha moment of the life that uh, nobody else is guilty for uh, the stupidities that I did, stupid decisions and, and stuff like that. And that was really helpful because I was like, well, if I did that, then if I can learn from that, I can turn things around and, and, and do things better. And that's when the journey started. And there was a lot of years of business development, personal development. I had to learn so much and, and really grow up finally. Um, and that's how uh, I ended up becoming the fail coach. Um, of course, uh, in between those failures and the fail coach, there was an actually successful startup that I was able to exit. 
Um, so uh, yeah, and and then I went. Uh, just I said, okay, uh, retirement. I did I did my thing, and after three days living in Lisbon, I got so bored. I mean, it was fun, but I just got bored, and I started looking for meetups and conferences because I needed to be amongst my fellow entrepreneurs. Uh, and when they heard my story, they started reaching out. Hey, I would love to run something by you and this and that. And uh, it was amazing seeing uh, a few weeks or a few months later when they would reach back and say, hey, you know, I did what you suggested and I got this results, that results. And uh, one night, a friend of mine and me were having a few beers and I was, you know, what do I do now? Uh, I, it, I'm a bit too young to retire. Uh, and he said, well, you're obviously enjoying this whole helping other fellow entrepreneurs and, and, and this stuff. And why, why don't you just uh, do coaching consulting? And then when I was thinking that same evening after those same beers, like, how do we name this, you know, success this, success that, and so on. And, and he was like, dude, I mean, everything that you say, you always start. Remember when I did that stupid thing and it failed? And then this is what I learned from it. And that's how I then did, did it differently. And he said, like, you're the fail coach. And, you know, maybe it was because of the beer. I don't know, but I, I really loved it. Um registered domain name and yeah uh, what eight nine years later um yeah we are uh, doing really well uh growing as a company uh helping more and more entrepreneurs currently in europe us canada uh looking to maybe expand to southeast asia as well um so yeah that's i would say not the shortest but short version of uh the whole thing <laughs> well listen i mean you've very clearly had you know some significant challenges in your in your life and of course in your early career and i'm truly sorry for the things that you know you had gone through i'm sure that those things weren't easy but i think for sure you see them as things that really brought you to where you are today right um, which is incredible. And I think it's fantastic that you can actually take the things that were challenging or you maybe failed at and build something out of it, right? Um, now, how would you say that these experiences really, you know, shaped your approach to business? Well, at some point, I, I don't know how I came to that, but I, I guess I had to, was to really see how I can learn from the past. And I started a thing that I now call failure journal. Uh, but basically back then it was, I bought a Moleskine notebook and on the top of the page, I would write down in as much detail as possible uh, what a failure, what some failure was and explain it. And then I would just ask myself a whole lot of reflective questions. Um, you know, what were my expectations? Uh, because very often we put expectations on things that are outside of our control instead of on the things that are in our control. And then we don't succeed 
and then we feel like we failed but in reality um, we didn't um, so many different things that can contribute to why we feel like we failed and i would just ask myself those questions and then i would go into okay what are some lessons that i can learn here and uh, really end it all with okay what are some actionable steps or things that i can do differently next time so that at least i get a different outcome it might not be a successful one but at least it will be a different one and if i eliminate enough of the things that don't work i will eventually find things that do work and uh, yeah uh, when i'm asked about what is the biggest thing that helped you um, in your business development i would say it's the practice of doing that and and i still do it like uh, nowadays i do this quick end of the day routine where i just look at the day and i say okay so what was good what could be have been better and what can i learn from the whole thing and how can i you know apply some of this tomorrow next week whenever the circumstances arise um to be you know one two three percent better tomorrow than i was today and um it it compounds throughout the time so um i, I would say i mean there are many different things well uh on the internet today it's very popular to say the one thing that will change your life the one thing that will bring many new clients in so everything is about that one more thing uh in reality it's a whole lot of little things when you put them together that create significant change there's i mean i haven't seen something that would be just this one thing it, it's it's stuff uh that you do it's uh, how you think it's uh, uh your mindset uh, how you are as a person how you much you grow how much of a growth mindset you have like a whole lot of different things how you are with people how you are with communication soft skills hard skills personality traits behaviors and so on so it's many different things that you know almost like a whole bunch of puzzle pieces and when those puzzle pieces click then you have something you have a picture at the end exactly um yes that makes a lot of sense and and there's definitely going to be a time in this conversation where i want to get more into that but first of all you said something earlier about you know failure and expectations and i just wanted to ask you do you think that managing expectations at the start of a business um really can help avoid feelings of failure down the line especially if you don't if you expect a, especially a startup to go one way um but you have to pivot into something else do you think there's something to starting by managing the expectations of what the outcome of that small business might be or startup might be absolutely what i see very often is people just jumping into the entrepreneurship and i was the same i just jumped in i i had you know no formal education i dropped out of high school in my third year when i was 17 um, so i didn't go to you know harvard business school or something like that yes my father was an entrepreneur but uh um he never taught me much because you know we weren't planning on him leaving so so fast um and so i didn't have the knowledge so how can you do something if you don't have some proper knowledge if you have no clue that 
you know, what's product market fit? I don't know. What's, you know, buyer's journey, customer experience? Uh, what are all the different things that go into running a business? You know, you need to be at least a little bit knowledgeable about finances. Yes, you can have an accountant, but you still need to, you know, like read PL statement. You still need to know how certain decisions will have um, effects on your uh, balance sheet and, and stuff like that. And what accountants can do and can't do after you give them the papers. That's already too late. You, you need to understand before you do something how that will affect your business and, and just little things like that and and people just mostly jump in now some startups they go to uh, accelerators incubators and and some of them have uh, better some not so well thought out programs that teach them about different things that you need in in the planning phase and uh, the knowledge that you need to gain and then, you know, you have books, you have uh, courses, you have coaches, you have many different ways how you can get that knowledge. But m quite a lot of them skip all of that and they just dive straight into it. And then, of course, when, when you do that, the likelihood of something going wrong is just much higher. I mean, even if you do all of that, there's no guarantee. Nobody can guarantee you, oh, if you do these steps, you will get this and this kind of result because there are still certain things that depend a little bit on luck, on timing, on this, on that. So, so there's no guarantees, but if you go completely without any planning into a business venture, it's just highly more likely that there will be more failures along the journey. Uh, and I guess the thing is that every now and then, and I guess that's why people buy lottery tickets every now and then somebody wins. And then, you know, we hear about those stories. It's like, oh, I went from zero to seven figures in a month with just one funnel. And then, you know, a whole bunch of people, millions of people think, oh, all I need is one funnel. I, I, I remember this so vividly. I probably won't ever forget it. It was 2018. I, I did like a podcast episode. And I was talking about how important it is to do some business planning. And a guy reached out to me uh, and said, dude, you know, like this is 2018. All you need today is an Instagram page and a funnel. It was like, okay, you do you. <laughs> Did you laugh when he said that? <laughs> well, I was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. I mean, <sighs> you can't argue with stupid. Well, they say you shouldn't actually. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, yes, I, I see what you mean. And would you then in that case recommend that say someone is wanting to start a startup and they haven't gone to like say Harvard Business School or anything like that. What are the things that they can do to start learning about those various things that you were mentioning earlier of you know, the financials and the this and the that? Do you think just doing like a, a small course or a couple of small courses online, you know, on Udemy or something like that is, is enough? Well, anything is better than nothing. Um, and uh, usually in the business world, it's like either you spend money or you have to spend time. So if you have the money, 
then you know finding a mentor finding a business coach would really be very beneficial because they can really help you in many different things now if you don't have that maybe you have some money you can maybe enroll in a group something or you buy some courses if you don't even have that much then you know go on amazon buy some books watch youtube listen to podcasts but it will be much longer and much harder because not everything can apply to you I mean, I watch a lot of videos on YouTube, mainly for, you know, some inspiration for some of my own content. And uh, a lot of that is very sound advice, but it applies to a maybe certain niche or a certain industry or a certain thing that you're doing. It might apply for a service business, but not for a manufacturing business and, and so on. Um, and you will just have a lot of trial and error. Um, and but if you can, you know, uh, afford yourself and it's not 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 easy to afford a good mentor or a good business coach, because the good ones, they have their price uh, and uh, not many can actually afford that at such an early stage, um, then, yeah, you'll have to try a lot. But a good business coach can speed up those things tremendously. Um, and again, you have some startup incubators, accelerators who really offer good support. And then they're the ones who pay for those consultants, coaches, and so on to come in and teach some stuff. Um, and some do tremendous work. Um, but yet yeah, there's also, uh, I, I've come across some incubators and stuff where I was like, like, how do you teach this stuff? Like, this is such nonsense. Uh, but yeah, they still do it. So you, you have to do your research. You have to shop around, do your research, turn on the critical thinking. Don't fall for, you know, Lamborghinis and Ferraris and mansions and uh, half naked ladies dancing around some, you know, guru. And but yeah, most people, they just want to do it easy. They They want quick fixes and they go for stuff like that. And I guess that's why... There's only like three, four, five percent of people who actually make it in the business world. Then it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. Maybe patience is a virtue in that case. Um, but I, th just one more thing before we we head over to the topic of, of leadership, really. Um, having gone through what you've you know gone through in your your early life and your career. Are you happy that you really went through all of that and kind of was, you were pushed it sort of into the deep end, right? And you kind of had to, to learn everything from scratch. Um, looking back now, do you think that you would have still gone through all of that again? Or would you have rather gone to Harvard Business School and all of that? And, and why? Yeah, that, that's a very good question that I get asked a lot. And no, oh, I wouldn't change a single thing. Um, it, it all served its purpose. I, I needed those lessons. Now, looking back, I'm, I'm just so grateful to everything that happened to me because it got me where I am today. And I'm, I'm in this really, really happy place. Uh, and I love life. Now, of course, when things were happening to me, that wasn't, you know, a happy time. Uh, but now with, with all this time in between, yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful. And uh, uh, sometimes they ask me, you know, like if you could go back in time and, you know, change one thing, what would that be? Nothing, like literally nothing. 
I think I think your entire journey thus far has been extremely in, inspiring, Micha, um, or Micha, sorry. Um, I think, you know, especially with your, your experiences at the early stages of your career, I think it, as we established, set a solid foundation for the type of leader um, you are today, you know. So on that topic, let's, let's shift towards that area now. Um, we spoke a little bit about business and all of that, right? So what strategies would you say have proven most effective um, in learning new concepts and really transforming them into lasting aspects of personal growth? Well, I and, and this is not something I've learned. I guess I was always like that. I remember when I was a young kid, my mom would always buy me encyclopedias and stuff because I always wanted to understand how things work. Always go back to the foundations and, and figure that out. Um, but that really helps when, when you're learning. And I saw something online uh, maybe a year or two ago about Elon Musk. And I, I'm not sure if that's true or not, but how he always, when, when he's facing a new topic, he always learns the fundamental stuff first. Uh, and then and then starts adding uh, and they, they made a reference to the tree and the leaves. So if, if you if you focus on the roots first, it will be very easy to apply dif different leaves. But if you just learn little some things, um, it, it will be very hard to connect things together. So when you understand the fundamental stuff, then everything becomes becomes quite easy. And, you know, like you could just put me on a spot and I do that often I, when I do workshops my workshops are always very um, uh, engaging so I, it's not like oh here's a powerpoint and now I'm going to read and I just go across the room and like bam 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 let's tackle you know your stuff and you can put me on the spot and because of that foundational knowledge um, in most cases not in all but in most cases I can you know produce certain ideas on the spot uh, but that's because of that so i don't know how you can learn that to go to the foundations first i have no idea uh, but i think it is uh, the best approach because when you understand the fundamentals it's so easy to add more stuff like just um a year a bit ago uh, when ai you know the chat gpt came out i hired a few coaches i said teach me some fundamentals about AI so that I can understand like what what's happening in the back and then crafting prompts and and doing stuff with those AI models became very easy because I understood better not well but better how it a little bit works in the back I mean it's a huge topic and you know I'm not an AI guy or an IT guy so so I'm not kidding myself that I know now the all the fundamentals but it was much easier for me to then uh, do stuff and when a new tool comes out um, I have a really quick uh, learning curve to start using the tool Okay, so in this um, strategy of basically learning the fundamentals, right? How have you applied these lessons when helping others become better leaders? Well, um, whenever I'm working with a client, uh, we always start with figuring out 
where their level of knowledge and understanding is and how much we need to add so that we can actually talk the same language. I just had this talk today with a client uh, because he's now faced with a challenge where he has to go in a more consulting sales approach uh, because he's targeting a different niche. Uh, that doesn't have the level of understanding that he needs them to have to sell his services. So he needs to educate them a little bit. And we were just talking about it. And I was reminding him said, remember when we did this and this and this, we first focus on teaching you. Once you were at the same level, it was much easier for us to then have conversations because you understood the basics, you understood why this is important, how this connects to all the other things that we have to still do. So I always go from there. Uh, but of course, I try to assess as much as possible the leverage, uh, level at which client already is so that, you know, I don't talk about some stuff that they already know. Or don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. Do you have an example of somebody that you might have helped, you know, specifically looking at like the before and after effects of this type of teaching well okay just let's take this guy for example so what we were doing with him was uh, well one of the things that we were doing with him was some business development uh, for this new type of service for a new market and when you do that the first thing you have to tackle is product market fit uh, inside the product market fit, the most important category is your ideal client avatar, your niche, like whatever you want to call it, uh, but who will be the buyer because what you offer, well, it needs to resonate with them. Uh, is it profitable? Well, can they afford it? What's the competition like? Stuff like that. What, what is the addressable market? And then your unique value proposition, something that you can actually deliver and they actually need that or want that. Um, and, and if you don't understand the client avatar, then it's very hard to understand where they are, who they are and what language they speak. And I'm not I'm not talking about English or French or Italian, but like, you know, different industries have different vocabularies. Uh, they have different ways of describing their problem and the desired solution and so on. And if you don't have that intimate understanding of your ideal client avatar, well, of course, it's hard to put together a marketing plan. And it's hard to create a content plan and it's hard to create a buyer's journey and, and where does the sale come in and how do we put some customer experience on top? What usually people want to do is spend maybe an hour on ideal client avatar and then just rush through everything else. But that's not enough. And if I wouldn't first take the time to explain the whole process and give examples how if we don't understand correctly, like how can we choose what social media to be on? How can we choose what events to go on? How can we choose what kind of content? And, and just through examples, he was able to connect the dots. And then when we actually started doing those things, he wasn't rushing. He took the time that's needed to really get that intimate uh, knowledge about his ideal client avatar. And then everything was super easy because once you have that knowledge, putting all those other puzzle pieces together is very simple. Amazing. I, I love that example. That's very, very good. Thank you so much, Mira. So um, 
In your opinion, what would you say should a typical working day of a senior executive look like? You know, what should be their core principles every single day? Well, one of the things is people. People, 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 people. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I, I did a workshop for some leaders in, in, in corporation, uh, just uh, junior leaders. And I started the workshop by saying, um, most things in our lives are based on mathematical formulas, laws of physics, and they're quite logical, quite tangible. You can, it, it's easy to understand them. The biggest question mark in our lives is humans, other people. But we are social beings and we live among other people. So if we don't know how to navigate through that, we will have difficult time, whether we are leaders or just, you know, whatever we do with our friends, families, co-workers uh, and, and so on. And so the soft stuff, emotional intelligence, empathy, um, um, conflict resolution, feedback, all of those things are very, very important. And so one thing that every leader should focus a lot on is people. Uh, the second thing is firehouse, not fire ground. Most, uh, most leaders, when we start working together, they spend most of their days on the fire ground, just, you know, doing stuff. Um, because that's easy. I mean, easy. It's not easy, but, but it feels easy. You know exactly, oh, I need to make some phone calls, write some emails. But the magic doesn't really happen there. And especially when you have some employees, that's why you have them. You should be in the firehouse. That's where you learn, you grow, you network, you go to your industry events, you go to some other masterminds, uh, you hang out with other fellow entrepreneurs. You strategize, you think about the vision and the mission, the company culture, the values, like a whole lot of different things. So you should spend majority of your time in the firehouse. And I would consider that people is firehouse, not fire ground. Okay. So <clears throat> these types of, I want to say, soft skills i don't think they really are but you know things like empathy um understanding compassion those kinds of things in a leader are these things that can actually be taught or self-taught even yeah yeah i mean i didn't know any of the stuff that i know today mm -hmm. uh I don't think I was born with any of that stuff i can't remember uh being born well i mean I was, it was always easier, not easy, but a bit easier to make connection with people, especially in one-on-one -on -one settings. So I was never good at group things before. Uh, I was always the shy person in a corner and not talking to anybody. Uh, but when I had the opportunity to sit down with somebody, it, it wasn't that difficult for me to form some relationship. Other than that, I didn't know shit. Uh, and, and I had to really read a whole lot of books because back when I was dealing with this stuff, there was, I don't think there was Facebook, LinkedIn, or maybe it was just starting this whole coaching programs. None of that really existed. So I had to order books from Amazon, read through them. And the funny thing is this soft stuff, 
whether that skills or not. Uh, it's like the hard stuff. You can read a book and then you can go and apply it right away. With the soft stuff, you need to practice and practice and practice and practice for a long time before you become good at it. So, so there are no shortcuts and it can't, it's not a quick thing. Uh, but yeah, I, I believe you can, you can learn all of that and you can change if you really want to. Nobody can make you, but if you want to, you can. So say for instance, you're doing some self-reflection as a person, any hypothetical person. How can we as people really identify where our strengths and our weaknesses are and what we need to work on then? Well, that's a good one. So um, I would call this the first pillar of emotional intelligence, self-awareness. And it's a tricky word because people think self-awareness is when you sit down with yourself for a few hours or for a few months and pour out preferably on a piece of paper, what you think, who you are, what you want, what are your values and so on. Uh, but you need to put a mirror to that to get the real self-awareness. So to do that, and it's not easy because you have to convince people around you that you really want to hear the harsh truths about yourself uh, so that they give you feedback. And it's not easy to, to convince them because they don't want to hurt us. So you, that's the tricky part, convincing everybody that you really want to hear all the stuff that they have to tell uh, you about you. And it's only when you put those two things together, how the outside sees you and how you see yourself. And when that's aligned, that's when you have true self-awareness. And I don't think anybody has like 100% self-awareness. But, you know, at least when you come close to that, uh, you, you are already on a on a quite a high scale. And, and that's how you figure those things are and those things out. And, and through that discovery, you can also figure out, oh, you're better at this and you need to work more on that and, and so on. OK, so Mayra, I really want to pivot now to another critical aspect of, you know, your expertise, which, of course, is business growth um, and building. Now, having worked with various leaders, once again, what would you say are the most common challenges that they share? Well, just like everybody else, they have they excel at certain areas and they lack certain areas. Uh, very often um, we see that they lack people stuff, um, either because they don't find the time or maybe they really don't see that as such a huge value to prioritize. Or sometimes they are just not good at it. Um, and so uh, that, that, that's very disturbing uh, because it's becoming just so important. Because, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people didn't have so many options. And you were able to be an asshole and people would still work for you. But in today's world, People have so many options. They can just go online and work for whoever they want, remote jobs, this, that. I mean, it's very hard to keep somebody uh, who is unsatisfied to continue working for you. Maybe people who are nearing the retirement age or something like that, they're just willing to say, well, you know, fuck it, I'll just survive this for another few years. 
Uh, but, you know, especially young people, they won't tolerate that. And then leaders say, oh, these young people, they, you know, like, where are the good old times? But the world changed and you have to adopt. Um, in, in today's world, you have to become a servant leader. Mm. Can you elaborate on that? What, is, what does a servant leader mean? Well, um, it's, well, some people translate it for themselves a little bit wrongly and they think like, oh, if I become a servant leader, then I'm a slave to everybody. But it's not like that. I mean, and you have to find your own leadership style within servant leadership because, you know, there's not just one way how to do it. But it basically means that you care about people and that when you find the right people, um, you enable them. I hate the word empower because I don't like to say that you empower somebody. I think that we can only empower ourselves, but as leaders, we can enable and give the tools and resources and opportunities to people so that they can empower themselves and become the best versions of themselves. Um, and, and that's really being a servant leader. I mean, I know that when you look it up online, there's a whole lot of other things, but I'm, I'm not that good at remembering little details, uh, but anybody can look it up and uh, yeah, they will get a much longer description. But being a servant leader is, I think, the only way to go forward. I really like that personally. Um, but could you maybe give any advice to people that are aspiring to be service leaders or servant leaders um, in today's age, how can they teach themselves to be better at doing that? Well, the teaching is the same as we already talked. You can, you know, hire a coach, you can, you know, read books, you can watch stuff online, you can go to certain courses, um, but it, it starts with you. Um, so self-awareness and managing yourself, those are the first two pillars of emotional intelligence. Don't skip those two. Go on a journey, figure out who you are, and then learn how to manage yourself. Then it's social awareness. Just go out, observe, and try to figure out, become better at observing and become more mindful so that, like, you know, right now we're talking. And I have to think and do all of that. But I'm still trying to observe you to get some feedback. Am I going too long? Are you already bored? Am I, you know, is it interesting enough? Oh, are you trying to say something? So I have to continue observe that as well. And then the fourth thing is then managing other people. So don't skip the first three pillars and go straight to the fourth one. And again, and then also it starts with you in a way um, if, if you don't show trust, if you don't give trust, you won't get trust. If you don't show vulnerability, people will not just open up. If you don't do things first, if you're not willing to be the first, you can't just expect from people, oh, my employees, they don't tell me shit. Well, you know, do you tell them stuff? Do you go, do you ever ask them when they do tell you, do you think about it? Do you consider it? Do you come back, give them feedback, even if you don't go with that, but just give them feedback so that they feel appreciated. Uh, one thing that I often uh, make leaders read is five love languages. Simple book, very simple. And of course it's made for, you know, personal relationships between 
uh, two partners. Uh, but if you put on a little bit of a filter, like we all have love languages in, in a work environment, in friend environment, in family environment. And it's like you need to uh, really care to understand love languages of others. You need to care about people to then have the patience to understand that. And when you do know what their love languages are, well, then it really shows whether you truly care or not. If you do, you will show them love the way they want to uh, get it. And if you don't care, well, then you will just be an asshole and do whatever you want to do. So it's it's not that difficult. It, it's, it's more or less just being a very good, decent human being. And that's the basics of... Uh, uh, servant leadership and just not obsessed about yourself but uh, um, it, that's one thing and, and I mean that's when we work with companies uh, it's so hard for them sometimes to understand that if they enable their employees uh, to become the best versions of themselves yes it will take a little bit longer but at the end the company the owner they will benefit the most because i mean you can't have a failure of a company if you have an amazing group of people who are all enabled to do to be their best versions now of course you, you don't give chance to just anybody they, they still need to be qualified they need to have the right personality traits and so on so we need to have good recruitment and onboarding and all of that uh, 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 things in place uh, but when you do have good people then just enable them exactly i think that really sets you up for a, a long-term positive outcome for your business right is nurturing the people that actually work there especially if they're already very good um now just on a on a, another note that i was thinking about can you recall a time when an unexpected strategy significantly aided in someone's growth mm. oh yeah i have one <laughs> you're gonna laugh um, and uh, so I, I was working with the leader from US and he was really bad at uh, figuring out a way to have some firehouse time every day. It was absolutely necessary, but he was constantly on the fire ground. And because I'm very creative and I don't give up easily, I, I just start figuring out like what else can we try? What else can we try? And at some point I got this strange aha moment and everybody loves when I say this. He, it was about eight years ago. This year they have uh, presidential elections again. So eight years ago there was presidential election year. And I'm not going to say who, but he really hated one candidate. And so we made a deal. I created a scorecard for him for every day. And there was a certain number of uh, points that he could get, uh, especially focusing on the ones that were truly most important for the firehouse and some other things. And he had to get like 35 out of 40, something like that. And he could get bonus points for the few very important things. And unless he did it, he would, I mean, if he wouldn't do it, he, before we started this, he sent a 
bunch of money to his brother, I think. And there was a deal that I messaged if he doesn't report back and give and explain what he did that day in a way that I would truly believe him. So, you, you know, like you can't BS your way through it. Uh, uh, his brother would send, I think it was a thousand dollars out of that money to that unwanted candidate. Uh, he, he didn't miss a single day for three months. And after three months, uh, he was then a completely different person living a lot in the firehouse, no longer that much on the fire ground, but yeah, it was quite uncommon, but I actually really like that. Um, okay. I think the answer is probably quite obvious, but, um, why do you think that is such an effective way like to use, to use that sort of strategy of like, if you don't do what you need to do to grow yourself, we're going to piss you off the way we know how to piss you off. Like how, <laughs> how does that strategy, why do you think it's so effective doing that and not another way? Oh, it works on some people. It wouldn't work on me. Like I, I'm, I, I don't react to that. Like I'm, uh, for me, it has to be about fun and about people. So when, when I'm trying to like, um, well, a year and a half ago, I started a diet, not, not so much a diet, more like health is wealth. And, and I'm not finally there, but I was like quite much bigger. So I'm now down already 46 kilos since then. Wow. Congratulations. I, I still, thank you. I, I still amazing. have between five and 10 to go. So I'm, you know, it's going slowly, but, um, one of the first thing my dietitian said was, well, you have to start working out. And uh, one of the things that you have to start doing is walking for one hour every day. And I can't do it with my doggies. I mean, I do that with my doggies, but you know, they're sniffing. You can't do really fast paced walking. You have to stop so that they can pee and poop and stuff. Um, so I had to schedule extra walking. And because I know that I can't rely on my friends, they're lazy as fuck. And, uh, there wasn't, I knew that if I tried to do it by myself, like there's just no way for me to get my ass off the couch and go walking. And I, I hired a, a, a trainer and instead of us working out in the gym, I paid the lady to go walk with me for an hour. Uh, but you know, I did it. So I knew that it needs to involve people because if I give my word to somebody, I will come here every day at this and this time. Like, there's no way in hell that I'm going to break my word because my word means the most. I mean, I have to be in the bed with 40 degrees Celsius or something like that to, to uh, not do it. Um, and, uh, you know, being with people was fun. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have to say, I actually have that in common with you. I also need other people in my life to motivate me. And I think that brings us back to the point where having people around you and being able to work with other people really reinforces, you know, we can't do things on our own, right? So most of us yeah. at least can't really do things on our own in any, in any situation, whether it be in business or exercising or anything else. Right. Um, okay. So when analyzing different leadership styles, what would you say is, you know, 
common and notable leaders. I mean, let's, I think we spoke a little bit about Elon Musk um, earlier, but, you know, let's talk about other CEOs as well. I mean, you know, Google or Wikipedia or Apple um, or even Facebook, you know, what did these big tech leaders really have in common? Well, I mean, we could argue how much uh, is there any common thing when it comes to Elon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but, but I, I would say that there are some traits. I would say uh, they all are big visionaries. Um, they are very resilient, uh, very adaptable to whatever happens, whatever's thrown their way. Um, they all, I think, uh, are very good at learning from failures. Um, and they all have huge growth mindset and, and they just, you know, keep growing, learning, growing, like it's, it's nonstop. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I, I think those are for sure some common traits. Okay. Um, is there any, you know, approaches from specific or any specific business leader that you really, really, um, respect? Steve Jobs. Why is that? Uh, he 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 was just uh, so great at storytelling, and you know, storytelling is the best form to convey a message ever invented in in, in between humans, and he was just so great at that, and and. He was a great visionary. I mean, he had a whole bunch of very smart people around himself. It wasn't like he came up with every idea, but but he was able to see certain things, notice some trends, and uh, yeah, um, yeah, he's my leader crush. <laughs> I like but that. also I also another person. Um, he he's not the CEO, but Simon Sinek. I love him. Um, Yeah, uh, we, we, we talk both about a lot of the same things. Um, so I, I, I do I do love him. Um, he just knows how to say things way better than I do. I, I often, you know, ramble a little bit. But yeah, he, he's amazing. Um, and yeah, I could probably name a few more. Okay. Um, okay, so if you had to really just put it in simple like bullet points right what would you say are the five main points of great leadership five main points uh listen to understand would be one of them uh and not just to respond um Recognizing failure for what it is, um, a tool for growth. Um, what would be number three? Um, not being afraid of difficult situations and, conf and conflict situation. Um, number four would probably be to be servant leader. Um, and number five, to really care about the people, like just, you have to love people, not, not, not just the people you work with, but I, I think you just need to be a person who, who, who has love for people to be able to be a good leader. Okay. 
I really love how you actually like thought about that. You know, uh, very often you'll find people that like boom, boom, boom. You know, they they quickly list things out. But I, I like that you really took time to consider that one, um, and I think those are fantastic points. Um, now, again, you know, we did talk a little bit about how people can build on those types of skills and stuff like that, um, but. I never asked you, do you have any recommendations for resources that people could check out um, to learn? Oh boy. Well, I mean, I, I, I do, but I didn't make a list. I mean, there's a whole lot of great books, for example, like Emotional Intelligence 2.0 is a really good book. Uh, fuck It is a really good book to learn, you know, um, how to say fuck it more often. Um, an another great book is Five Love Languages. And I'm, I'm just probably missing so many good books right now because I'm very bad at remembering titles. Um, uh, but there's like in today's world, uh, I think there is a much faster, but probably equally good way is there are amazing YouTube channels, um, amazing podcasts that you can listen to uh, and learn from others. Um, it's also not that difficult to get a mentor for free. I mean, it's not going to be somebody who will work with you on a weekly basis, but to have some touch points throughout the year, to have a chat or two or three, it's, it's not that difficult. I mean, um, I, I, people reach out to me often. Uh, and I, when I see that there's some sincere, it's not, you know, just trying to pitch you something. Uh, but but when they, they when they do a nice approach, um, I'm like yeah sure let's jump on a call let's see how I can support you how I can help you, and I know many fellow entrepreneurs and 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 people who um, will also take some time. I mean you can't help everybody, but you know like every now and then, uh, and you just have to keep going and and ask here ask there. But you need to understand how to approach and. Uh, um, not just, you know, be in, in somebody's DM. Hey, can you, you know, teach me this and or even better version. Oh, I'm starting a startup. I need 50,000 US dollars. Can you just wire me the money? Like I've, I've had those. I've had <laughs> no. those. And, and, and it, it, it's quite often it, the, the, the amount can differ. But yeah, like you, you have a lot of that in DMs. Um, and, and I've heard from other people, uh, same stories, especially from entrepreneurs who, uh, go a little bit more public and go on podcasts and conferences. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Um, uh, the male equivalent of the unsolicited dick pics. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's fantastic. I like that one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine that that is like a, quite a shock. It must have been a shock when that first happened, I'm sure, where it's just like, yeah, send me $50,000 to start I my business. I don't know you. Who are you? I, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then you get used to it. Oh my goodness. I actually, I can't, it takes all sorts to make this world go around, right? Um, Miha, thank, thank you so much, really. It's been a wonderful conversation with you today. Um, and we've really, I, I know I have really enjoyed, enjoyed this and there's been some insightful comments as well. Um, thank you really for joining us. Well, thank you for the invitation. And like, I, I just hope that, uh, 
somebody who needs to hear it will hear it and that uh, it will help at least one person in some way um, that that would be uh, something that would be very uh, nice thanks again to Miha for sharing his remarkable journey and valuable insights with us now if you're looking for a top digital agency for your upcoming project make sure to visit designrush.com marketplace here you'll discover a wide selection of agencies perfectly suited to bring your project to life don't forget to like and subscribe for more enriching conversations with industry pioneers. Again, I'm your host, Bianca Mayer. Stay curious and join us for the next episode. <laughs>